I want to share with you this morning from second, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and beginning with verse 6. And I'm going to read this passage for you this morning before we get into it, <clears throat> because it says an awful lot, and we will be going through it almost verse by verse, and um, I want to just read it through so you get an idea of the direction we're going. beginning with verse 6. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed all that to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? And in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. But we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, <clears throat> not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit of God. We are able to express spiritual truth in spiritual words. Now the man that's without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. But the spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? We, we who know Jesus Christ, have the mind of Christ. Now, I want to begin by <clears throat> throwing out this thought. It's impossible for a lesser creature to understand a more advanced one. For a flea, for instance, to understand a dog, he has to be at least as advanced as a dog. And for a dog to understand a man, it would have to be at least as advanced as a man. And as you proceed with that thought, and as you proceed with that thinking, you eventually get to the point where you have to also ask the question, <clears throat> how much greater is the distance between the creator and the creature? What is the distance between those of us who are the created ones as we walk before the one who is the creator? Now, men and women all down through the years have tried to imagine what God is like or what he's not like, and even if he exists. And almost everyone has an opinion as to what God is like or not like, and there's almost every idea under the sun as to how God would respond to almost any situation. But man's opinions are irre irrelevant because they can never be any more than speculation. By his own resources, 
the creature cannot possibly comprehend God who is the creator. So the wisdom of God challenges all intellect. And the wisdom of God challenges the intellectual process of any man or woman as they try to put together the wisdom they're looking for because his wisdom is not for the masses of sinners who are walking on this earth. His wisdom is primarily for those who are in Jesus Christ and have a relationship with him. Notice verse 8. It says, none of the very wise men when the Bible was written and none of the rulers of those biblical times understood God and they did not understand who Christ was. But when you get to verse 10, it's very interesting. It says, his own people, to his own people, God has made himself known. To his own people, God is going to reveal who he is And to his own people, he's going to give them the wisdom they need to know how to handle life and how to deal with the issues of life. And that wisdom is wonderful because you'll see it described in verse 9. And verse 9, by the way, is not speaking about what heaven is going to be like and what's going to happen to us in eternity. That's how you almost always hear it interpreted. But 9 is tucked away between 8 and 10, which is talking about the wisdom of God And when it's speaking about the wisdom of God, it says, No eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But the important thing you've got to see starting out is this. God's truth, God's plan for mankind, God's reason for having you on this earth, God's wisdom just cannot be understood by his creatures normally. The two resources we have, observation and reason, are only going to get us so far. God would give his wisdom only, the scripture says, to those who are going to love him and open their heart to him and follow him, but to them that do know him and have accepted his son Jesus Christ as Savior, he is only anxious to give them his wisdom and his understanding. Now, how does he do it? I'm going to give you three words today that we don't talk about very much, but they're kind of helpful. One is by revelation. And when you hear that God speaks to us and God shares with us by revelation, we find that in verses 10 and 11 here. And basically what it's saying is God's Holy Spirit is going to work with us. God's Holy Spirit is going to speak to us. God's Holy Spirit is going to open up God's wisdom to us How are we going to learn God's truth? How are we going to gain God's wisdom? How are we going to know the plan God has for us? Verse 7 says, that's going to come to us by the Spirit of God. Now, how are we going to connect with the Spirit? Well, most of us here probably, if not all of us, can go back to understanding verse 12, and it says, when you and I commit our lives to Jesus Christ, the Spirit indwells the believer. That's how we get connected with the Spirit. At the very moment you and I trust Jesus Christ, at the very moment we ask him for forgiveness, at the very moment we ask God to come into our lives, he does that exactly, and it's the Spirit of God that enters our body, and he makes your body his dwelling place, and that is God's gift to you. 
Now, the Spirit being in you is very, very important because the Spirit is part of the Godhead. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The three are one. They think alike. They act alike. They do things together. And so if the Spirit of God is within us, we have the very presence of God within us because the Spirit of God is, is part of that Godhead. And the powerful thing about that is that came into our lives the moment we received Jesus Christ. And the powerful thing in addition to that is the Spirit knows the mind of God perfectly so the Spirit is able to share with us everything God wants us to know. And the Spirit has also guided us and will guide us through the Word of God. He knows the mind of God, but he also knows the Word of God perfectly. He knows the Word of God perfectly because he wrote it. He knows the Word of God perfectly because he was involved in every step. And that makes him uniquely qualified to teach you and me or to re reveal to you and me what the Word of God is saying. And when we understand that God's Word is truth and God's Word is everything we need and we get all of our wisdom, real wisdom from God's Word, when we understand that, God's Spirit also speaks to us then through the Word. Now look at the first part of verse 11. <clears throat> it says, no person can know another person as well as he knows himself. And that's very true. I've been married to Joan for 48 years. We've lived together. We've done tons of things together. And just when I think I know Joan, she says something or she does something that I've never seen before. And I think, who is she? <laughs> who is she? How come I haven't known that? How come I haven't figured that out? The interesting thing to me, too, was many times when I was a full-time pastor and was counseling those who were getting married, they would come in to me sometimes, and they've been dating for three months, you know, and they're just, oh, they're just in a flutter, and they're on a cloud, and they sit down and they tell me how well they know each other. And I'm sitting there, and if you've got any age to you at all, you know these two who think they know each other don't know each other at all. All they've been doing is telling each other what each other wants to hear. They don't know each other. Another funny thing is when you put sometimes senior citizens into a retirement facility, and the, and the kids who, when they're 70 and 80, mom and dad, the kids who are now around 50, they start listening to their conversations, and they have a little more time with them. And I've heard one after another come to me and say, well, my mom and dad, I don't even know them. And it's true. We really, verse 11 is saying, we really don't know our mates, our friends, our relatives, the people around us like we think we do. All we know is what's really in the deepest part of our own mind in our own heart. In the same way, we don't know God. And we don't know God like we think we do. But God's Spirit is now within us. And God's Spirit is working in a, in a relationship with us, it says here. And he knows the very depths of God because he is God. And so he can teach us and he can reveal to us everything that God wants us to know. And he comes into our lives, the scripture says, to do just that. 
John 14, 17 says he's the spirit of truth. In verse 26, it says he's the counselor, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in Jesus' name. He will teach you all things, and he will remind you of everything Jesus taught. Now, maybe you have a desire to know God, and you have a desire to know why you're here. And you have a desire to know what God's plan is for you. And so you begin to pick up the Bible and you want to understand the Bible and you want to read it with real understanding. I've got to tell you, that's not going to come just by coming to worship on Sunday morning. And that's not going to come by hanging around Christians. And it's not going to come um, in any other way other than for you to eventually commit your life to Jesus Christ and recognize Christ has come to die for your sin and to pay the punishment for your sin and to ask God to come in and be the Lord of your life and begin to direct your life in a new way. But as soon as you do that, then the Spirit of God who is God comes into your life to give you God's truth and God's wisdom and God's plan for your life, and gradually you're going to know more and more and understand more of what God wants for your life. The interesting thing is, as you go through that process, you're going to become the real you. Most of how we live out lives are pretty artificial. We say what we know we have to say. We do what we know we have to do. We work at what we think other people want us to do and what they want us to be. And we're worried about that kind of stuff all the time. As God gets control of your life, he's going to give you a wisdom and he's going to give you an understanding and he's going to give you a direction that is going to bring out the real you so you can be who you really are. And you don't have to pretend to be this or that for this person or that person because you're in this world only to please him. And if you're in this world only to please him, he's going to lead you in that direction. And the real self, who you were really intended to be, is going to come out if you let God's wisdom continue to build and work in your life. But there's another verse. It's another word. It's inspiration, and it's found in verses 12 and 13. The Spirit of God, it says, has brought us a special message, and that message is tucked away in the Word of God, in the Bible. The Spirit of God led men like the apostles and like Paul and others to write, in other words, the very words of God and the very thoughts of God. The men who wrote the Scriptures did not record their own ideas or their own interpretation. They put down on paper for us what God intended for them to put down for us. Everything they have, God's Spirit gave to those men, and only to those men. And the Spirit of God used words that those human writers used all the time, and the Spirit of God selected them, however, and arranged them and put them in precisely the order he wanted Therefore, the Bible is the very words of Almighty God. And the Spirit is not only going to be speaking to you directly, but the Spirit is going to, secondly, be working in your life and guiding you and directing you and giving you a real understanding of God as you get into the Word of God. Therefore, it only makes sense that if we're going to know God's thoughts, if we're going to know the truth, if we're going to know wisdom, if we're going to understand why we are here, 
then we're going to get a grip and an understanding on the Word of God. And that's going to be very important to us. Because when the Holy Spirit came into our lives, God entered into our personality so that through the Holy Spirit, each believer becomes a sharer in the very life of God. And when that happened, you and I changed. We now have the, we now have the power, we now have the capacity with the Spirit's help to actually understand the message God has for his people. And the Bible becomes more than just words. You see, now, when you've got the Spirit of God and you get off by yourself somewhere and you read the Bible and you, you get it out and you just take some time to do that, God's going to do various things with you. He may encourage you as you read it. There are times when he's going to refresh your spirit and you'll need that. There are times when he's going to correct you and he's going to put you in a new direction and you're going to know, and that's where the peace is going to come, that you're now moving in the right direction. There are times when you read this word, you're going to sense, here's the truth. Everything I'm hearing all around me these days as I'm out at work and as I'm going here and there and what people are saying is not the truth, but here is actually the truth. I have it. He's going to sometimes, as you read the Bible, lead you into action. And when he leads you into action, he's going to, he's going to put someone on your heart or he's going to put some... some possibility for mission on your heart or he's going to push you into a new direction and make you take on a new challenge and that's going to bring you peace because you know that he's involved in all of it and he's going to move you in that direction and he's part of the action there are times when you need direction and it'll come as you read his word there are times when you need confirmation that the way you are going is right and he's going to do that but as you read that word over and over again, you're going to know probably more and better than anything else that God is on your side. And he's just working in you to get you where you want to be yourself. The psalmist in Psalm 119, verse 18, put it this way. When he was approaching the word of God, he said, Oh God, as I read this word, open my eyes that I might behold the wonderful things you have for me from the law. I want to understand everything that you have for me. I want to understand how you want to work in my life. That's what the psalmist is saying. Jesus put it another way when he was facing temptation in Matthew 4, 4. He said, man's not going to live just on bread alone, whether he thinks so or not, but he's going to live on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And that word is right here. Look at verses 12 and 13. It's filled with a lot of we's and a lot of us. I love to make verses 12 and 13 personal. And I would encourage you to look at it later today if you don't have your Bible in hand. 1 Corinthians 2, 12 and 13. And change the we's and the us's to I and me. And this is what it sounds like. Make it personal. I have not received the spirit of the world. What have I received? I have received the spirit that is from God that I may understand what God has freely given me. And this is what I speak, not in words taught to me by human wisdom, but what I'm speaking is words taught to me by the Spirit. I'm expressing and able to express spiritual truth in spiritual words. That's powerful. But that's where the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life. That's what he wants to do. He wants to put spiritual thinking into your heart and mind. 
He wants to put the kind of thinking God thinks into your mind. And he's going to be working on that and working on that. And especially as you get into his word, he's going to work on that. Well, I got one more word. God's Spirit reveals the truth to us through the word of God that is inspired by the Holy Spirit. But there's one more word, and that's in verses 14 through 16. It's called illumination. Notice verse 14. It says, the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. You got a lot of people around you, <clears throat> and they don't move in the same direction you do. They can't. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. Keep that in mind. For they're foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because those things are spiritually discerned. The religious leaders of Jesus' day. They were scribes and Pharisees. They knew the Old Testament pretty well. Yet they missed the central message of the Old Testament. They failed to recognize who Jesus was. And it was interesting, they read those scriptures and they read those scriptures and they read the prophecies concerning Jesus and there's about 95 prophecies in the Old Testament that tell exactly where Jesus is going to come from exactly where he's going to live, exactly what he's going to say, exactly what he's going to do, exactly how he's going to fulfill his mission. It's all in there. 95 to 96 prophecies telling every detail of the Messiah. And these guys who knew all this stuff, studied the scriptures, didn't catch it, didn't understand it. And they failed because they didn't belong to God. They were just going through the motions. Yes, they were religious, and yes, they were pious, but they were not men of real faith. They were just going through the motions. They were not real believers. And therefore, they didn't accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. They lived what we call in the natural realm, but they were not in a relationship with Christ, so they didn't live what we call the spiritual realm. So they really had no means no desire to understand the spiritual nature of God's teaching and God's wisdom. William Barclay puts it this way in one of his books. He says, that man and that woman who doesn't believe, this individual lives as if there's nothing beyond the physical life and there are no needs other than material needs. We see that all around us. And the man or woman who's in that position just cannot understand spiritual things or they cannot understand the word of God because they don't have the influence of God's spirit within them. So verse 15 says they can't even make really good judgments. Good judgments about God's word or good judgments even about Christian people. And that's why those people around us quite often judge us as Christians. They cannot understand that we're not perfect. They cannot understand that we're in a growth process. They cannot understand how much God loves us because this is how God works. They don't have an understanding of how God works. They cannot understand the faithful Christian who sometimes has some faults or the faithful Christian who sometimes has some shortcomings. They cannot see how that can be and they cannot see that our, 
living out the faith is sometimes inconsistent, but we are trying to be consistent because we're following Jesus Christ. They cannot see accurately our faith and our love for Jesus and our desire to follow Jesus, and they cannot see sometimes what a struggle it is to move away from some sin or how God is working on us and patient with us as he works with us for Jesus' sake. That's what it's saying. So they will often want to correct us. They'll want to judge us. They'll want to argue with us about what is the truth. And they, what, what Paul is saying here is, you need to understand, they don't have the Spirit of God, so there's no argument. And you need to understand, they're not really arguing with you, they're arguing with God. When they present all that stuff toward you, they're really presenting it toward God, and they're not trying to judge you or instruct you near as much as they're trying to judge God and instruct God as to how he ought to do what he does. So that leads to the very powerful question in verse 16. Paul says, just remember who has the mind of Christ. Don't let those people get to you. Because those who judge us, those who can't understand us or God, the person who likes his life just the way it is, the person who's not sure of his or her destiny, that person cannot make a judgment when it comes to you. And don't forget who has the mind of Christ. We do. As weak as our faith may be sometimes, if we have trusted in Christ Jesus, God is ready to instruct us. God is ready to share his wisdom with us. God is ready to gradually change our lives and our motives and our attitudes and all those things that need changing. God's at work within us. <clears throat> it doesn't mean in this lifetime we'll understand everything. It doesn't mean we won't need human teachers. It doesn't mean that studying the Word of God is not hard to do sometimes, but it does mean that as we do what God wants us to do and be what God wants us to be, that scripture and that truth and that wisdom of God is going to be gradually ours more and more. In other words, you ought to understand God more this morning than you did five years ago. And one of the marks of a person who's growing in Christ is he's also growing in, in the area of discernment. He has the ability to penetrate underneath the surface of life and to begin more and more to see things as they really are. You see, the people around us are all walking by sight, but the people who are in Christ are beginning to get an idea of what real life is all about and what God intended for us forever. And what God is trying to bring us to so that we're prepared to enter into his presence forever. And in contrast, the maturing Christian is going to be growing in his discernment and in his ability to just open his life up to Jesus Christ. And the tremendous effect that's going to have is that it cannot help to spill out and spill over on a few others. A little girl... Let me say this first. I, there's a prayer that Catherine Marshall prayed when she came to this understanding in this passage of Scripture one day. 
Catherine Marshall was the wife of uh, one of the chaplains of the United States Senate, an amazing man and an amazing woman. And her understanding of the faith is tremendous. If you ever see a book by Catherine Marshall, buy it, read it. It's got tremendous insight. But when she got to this point in her life where she wanted all of God, she wanted the wisdom of God, she said, from this moment on, O God, I promise you that I will try to do whatever you tell me to do for the rest of my life, insofar as you'll make it clear to me what your wishes are. Now, God, I'm weak, and many times I'm probably going to want to renege on this, but Lord, you're going to have to help me with that too. A wonderful way to go. wonderful way to present it. How does it work? The secondary effect is this. A little child is walking home from church with her parents. And the little girl says, Mom, I didn't understand the pastor's message this morning. And it was just too confusing for me. And the mother says, oh, honey, tell me, what was confusing? And she said, well, didn't the pastor say that God is bigger than we are? And she said, yes. She said, is that true? And her mother said, yes, that is true. But didn't he also say that God lives within us? And she said, yes, that's true. Is it really true? She said, yeah. So the little girl said, well, if God is bigger than us, and if he lives in us, wouldn't, we, wouldn't he show through? That's what Paul is saying here, basically. He's saying as you and I pour our lives into the word of God, as you and I pour our lives into a prayer time with God on a daily basis and just talk with him in a real way about everything, as we let his spirit um, teach us, as we let a spirit work in our lives, as we keep open to understanding his wisdom and his direction, it's not only going to be good for us, but it's going to show through, at least to a few, as we go through life. And isn't that what we really want? Shall we pray? Father, thank you that you're so patient with us. Thank you that you care about us so much. Thank you that you reveal yourself to us in such powerful ways. God, we want to be everything you want us to be. Sometimes we feel we don't know how to go at it or we don't know what to do. Just lead us, God. Just direct us as we read your word. Give us the direction and understanding we need. And God, just work in our hearts because you can take simple people like us and change us so that we can become the real people we want to be. Real people, not artificial people, but real people who, because we're real and because we have the wisdom of God, will know how to handle life. And that'll spill over on a few as we go through life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.